What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O Group and the host of the What to Know podcast show. I'm here in our San Francisco offices today interviewing a woman that I think you guys are all going to enjoy getting to meet. Her name is Janica Alvarez. She is the co-founder and CEO of Naya Health. Welcome, Janica. Thank you for having me. And I am particularly appreciative since I know you had a little bit of a battle fighting traffic to get up here today. So thank you for coming into the office. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting you a few weeks ago. Our mutual friend, Jesse Draper, who we'll mention a little bit later, invited us both to come and see the taping of Meet the Drapers with her dad and they sometimes do that also with the grandfather. Uh, you were brave enough to be called up and be one of the celebrity ju- judges on the the set, I think somewhat unexpectedly, which I was very impressed with. But um, I'd like to rewind a little bit and talk a little bit about you know your journey. I know um, based on LinkedIn, you've worked at some places like Genentech, Gilead, uh, Tibera Therapeutics. Let's let's touch on that and then talk about how that led you to your current role of founding Nia Health, which I think you did uh, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So I spent about 12 years in biotech research, and I started my career out in molecular genetics uh, at Genentech. Um, I spent about 18 months there, and then it dawned on me that I really missed working with people. I was in a lab by myself most of the time, so I had a really great opportunity to join their operations group. And while there, I was in charge of going around and actually starting and initiating clinical trials for various therapeutic agents. Um, spent about five years at Genentech, really wanted to beef up my antiviral experience, and so went over to Gilead Sciences and led some trials there within their HIV program. In that role, I really started to think and hear more about startups and what that really meant and the experience I could gain from that. So from Gilead, I, I jumped to Tobira and spent six months there as their number one um, hire in, in operations and did much of the same thing I was doing at, at Gilead. But I think the, the, the most important thing that I was doing while I was working for these biotech companies was raising my family or growing my family. So I had my first two sons while I was at Genentech. And I knew I wanted to return back to work after giving birth, knew that I wanted to continue to breastfeed. But there's a a device that actually enables you to do that when you're away from your baby. I didn't even know what that device was until a friend told me all about a breast pump. And so um, upon first use, I was very dissatisfied. It was very painful. It didn't work very well for me. It was just a very cumbersome and underwhelming experience. And it never got better. I had another son after that. So I have three sons total. And I would go back to the market looking for better solutions. And nothing ever solved my problem or problems. And the more that I talked to other women, I found out that they were also suffering from some of the same challenges. And so feeding in general has become a huge interest of, of mine, and not only mine, but my husband, who's my co-founder. And so uh, about three years ago, we co-founded Naya Health, and we have a, a new product on the market that just launched last year. So we're really excited. It's the first of many to come to just make feeding smart for families. That's awesome. And, and I'm always impressed where instead of going to Amazon or some other site and really doing some kicking of the tires, people like yourself take the bull by the horns and say, there's not something out there for me. And you know what? I'm going to go start my own company. So that's that's a big leap. And uh, kudos to you for doing that. So one of the things that I would like to ask a little bit about is I think your positioning statement, which I liked a lot, was new to the world health tech products that uniquely address the needs of moms. And I might even add as a dad, moms and dads, right? Because I think there are 
while my wife did the heavy lifting in terms of the pumping of the milk, I was the recipient at the 3 a.m. feeding for my son. We have three kids. So I can appreciate that, you know, when she was having to have those painful experiences or uncomfortable experiences, I certainly uh, empathized with her and was the benefactor of being able to, to participate in that process. But where I want to go with the question is, Clearly, the, the breast pump has been the impetus, but it sounds like you're leaving the door open for other devices to be able to help moms and potentially dads or parents. Uh, is there anything you can talk about in terms of the company and where you're looking forward and how you build on the um, uh, initial success of the breast pump that you've launched? Certainly. So, you know, we've built a better, faster, stronger, more human-like breast pump, right? We wanted to make the, com the experience more comfortable, more efficient and more approachable. And so we did that with the Nia Smart breast pump. And we actually have two models of breast pump to open up access. We felt like that was a really entry or an, a really great entry point into a family. It was one of the most frustrating products for women. So we get in early there and we build a relationship with her. And it's really enabling her to provide nutrition to her child, right? And we felt like, you know, the whole feeding category, in our opinion, is broken. So it's a massive market. It's growing every year. And we have no insights as parents into, you know, are, is what we're providing right? Um, how do we change things if they're not right? And so one interesting product that we recently got funded on Kickstarter, um, and that was a whole other strategy we can talk about if you'd like, um, is the Naya Smart Bottle. And the goal of the Smart Bottle is to help parents um, meet their baby's nutritional needs in a much, much easier way. So really taking the guesswork out creating that peace of mind. And it's really focused all around how much mom is producing or how much formula is going in the bottle and then what leaves the bottle. So how much baby is feeding and then what calories and fat and other macronutrients that baby's ingesting with each feeding. And so that gets really interesting for us because it just hasn't been done before. So making sure that parents are fully equipped and empowered with information so that they are making more informed decisions is something that we've always been very interested in. And this is just a category in terms of nutritional health that has been very much overlooked. So I want to ask you a follow-up question because it sounds like the smart bottle is part of the Internet of Things, right? So like a Fitbit where it's not just a bottle that keeps track of it, but it actually the data goes someplace. And so as a parent, you have the ability to go in and look and see that not just on a daily basis or maybe a, a feeding basis, but in aggregate. Is that a correct assumption? That's right. So we collect all the information from both the pump and the bottle in the Naya Health Tracker, and that's available now on the App Store. So you can actually use the bottle with or without our breast pump. It's adaptable to the most common types of pumps. Um, and you can even use our app without having our hardware. So we try to make it a very um, accessible ecosystem um, and we want everyone to be able to explore our brand. That's great. And, and so that does lead into, or you, you touched on something that is one of my next questions, and that is that I have, have had the pleasure of interviewing some uh, women entrepreneurs, and I'm trying to make sure I'm giving an equal voice because I think now more than ever, it's a critical time. You uh, jokingly, and, and I think it's okay to mention this, you mentioned that you and Jesse and some others are doing a panel at South by Southwest, which is... It's FemTech uh, post-Trump. Right. So perfect time to be doing this. And so I feel like, and our company feels like right now as someone that's committed to diversity and inclusion, that it's a really important time to make sure we're giving the right platform to smart people across the spectrum. And so I love the fact that, you know, you're doing this. And one of the things I've heard, you know, Tracy um, Denunzio, who is one of the folks that Jesse introduced me to, she's the CEO and founder of Tradesy. 
they raised $100 million, was what her journey looked like. And I've talked to Jory Desjardins, who was one of the founders of Vlogher. And I think, you know, it is a fact that it is harder for women and minorities to raise money. Part of it is, you know, a lot of times people want a warm introduction and sometimes women haven't necessarily or minorities haven't necessarily had those networks. So I would like to talk a little bit about that journey. And I think you've given us a hint that you have used the Kickstarter platform to raise some of the money yourself. But, you know, what does that journey look like for you? And has it been a positive one? Have you had challenges? You know, talk to our listeners a little bit about that. Sure. So I think the reality is, is that, you know, 2% of funding last year went to women-led companies. Um, We only have 7% of venture capitalists who are women. And I'm not saying that going to a female venture capitalist is going to guarantee you funding. I think that there are a whole other list of challenges, I think, for them that they face. So that's probably a a separate conversation. Um, I think for me, my journey has been fairly positive. I think that we have struggled with Uh, getting people to take our business seriously because we do have a product that is unique for women. And I'm I'm talking specifically about the breast pump. So oftentimes when I'm pitching the business opportunity, a lot of distraction occurs and it's all around the breast pump. I think uh, individuals get very stuck on the breast pump. They don't understand it. They'll never need to use it. Um, Is it really a need? And, And they ask these questions because they just, they don't know a lot about it and they never will. And so they oftentimes will rely on a sister, a wife, a friend, and they basically let these people around them, you know, make a decision for them uh, or at least heavily impact their decision-making process. And so, you know, that in itself is a little bit frustrating for us because we feel like, you know, it goes well beyond the pump. Um, The pump was just a really interesting way for us to insert ourselves in a family very early on and gain that trust. And so if you look at the entire business in the market that we're really targeting, it's a $30 billion market here in the U.S. alone. It's growing very uh, fast every year. We have a really interesting technology and really a a good platform to uh, insert ourselves into that, that huge market. I feel like oftentimes because of the pump and the fact that there's anatomy involved and there's all these other things involved, people get distracted and they they often move away from the fact that this is actually a really amazing business opportunity with a high percentage of, of return uh, or incentive return. And so I think that that's something that, you know, we've encountered and it's been challenging. You know, I, I've shared a lot of my experiences with Emily Chang, um, Bloomberg, um, follow-up article on The New Yorker. It's just products in general I think that women are leading or innovating on are just not getting the attention they need in order to further grow their business. So I think that that's something we've definitely experienced. Well, I think the nice thing is because, you know, out of the 330 million people we have in this country, somewhere around 50% are female, right? And a lot of them are on places like Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, Snapchat. And so if you have a link for something like a Kickstarter, uh, they understand what some of the problems are. Like I said, I remember all of the, the joys of my wife going through this and, certainly have a sister and sister-in-laws that have gone through some of the similar challenges. I think the thing that I really like, in addition to that being a smart way to help go to market is or, or fund the company, is the fact that you are connecting this to data. And in a world where I think I mentioned, you know, we work a lot in the biotech, pharma, medtech space, in addition to just B2B tech, data is becoming such a critical component of how these things can start to stitch together, right? So you're looking at more proactive ways for parents to be able to monitor the nutrition of their children. And obviously there's so many other things that you can monitor, whether it's you know heart rate or health or sugar levels or any of those things. 
but you know now the capabilities all the way to things like gene editing right and being able to to really know or, or uh, impact ahead of the curve um, kudos for for realizing how important that is and also kudos for realizing that while you want people to buy your products that being part of the ecosystem and, and rising all ships is critical I think to get traction and also if someone does say hey I love the pump I'm not going to use the bottle or I love the bottle I'm not going to use the pump that's a nice way to allow them to do that so um, that's that's very cool and thank you for sharing that so one of the things I want to do a little bit is I want to shift into you more so than just a company and I like to ask guests these things so you've had an opportunity probably to inspire a bunch of people yourself, you know, as someone that went out there and, and took this leap and, and did amazing things and, and are doing amazing things. But over the course of your life, you know, who has been someone or people that have inspired you and maybe given you the courage to go and start your own business and, you know, fight this uphill battle a little bit as you've, as you've gone along the way? Wow. I think that that there are so many people. I think that it takes a village to raise a startup. I think there's a lot of courage that needs to go into that process, but finding that courage within yourself can be very challenging. Um, I think, you know, throughout my life, I've been surrounded by some really strong women um, who have been very courageous and have undergone a lot of trials and tribulations, but never gave up. Um, but had a hard time advocating for themselves. They advocated for so many people around them, but had a hard time just taking care of themselves. Um, and I think that's where my husband comes in. I think that he has pushed me beyond what I thought my limits were. And he's always um, just an eternal optimist. You know, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to put in the extra work and time. And so I think it's just been, I've been surrounded by just phenomenal family. Um, and that's really inspired me. And I think on my bad days, I look at my children, I'm inspired by them. And they know that mommy can do whatever she wants to do as long as she works really hard and is dedicated and surrounds herself with really smart and good people. Um, but I would have to say family. It always comes down to family for me. Well, that's great. And I know that, you know, some people have past philosophers, some people have past bosses, and certainly you hear moms and dads or family a lot. And I think this is one of the first times I've actually heard spouse or, or husband, which is nice. And I know certainly, you know, my wife and I have been married for 21 years now, and uh, it is a journey, but she is someone that I would, you know, not choose anyone else to partner with. And we've been a great yin and yang. We joke about the fact that, you know, we each wear a, a leg in the pants in the family, right? Where sometimes one or, or the other does. So That's great. That's how it should be. That's, yeah. that's a really good, good dynamic. Well, and you truly live it, right? And, and we're not I haven't partnered with her to start up a company. So we, we run the household and the children's, you know, the rear, the child rearing and all that. But uh, that must be a whole nother level of trust and commitment and communication to be working day to day with your spouse and, and having that be a smooth sailing ship uh, more often than not, I'm assuming. You know, that is, and I get this question a lot, what, what's it like working with your husband? Um, you know, I feel like Jeff and I have been negotiating since day one. We met on Caltrain. Um, dated soon after, raised a family, gone through job transitions. And I feel like there, you know, I trust him enough to raise a family with him, right? And, um, and uh, you know, why not raise a startup with him as well? And I think that not only do I trust him, but he's fully capable. I mean, he has a really great background. He spent about 15 years in medical device um, development and launches. So it's just, it's been a good experience for us. Although, you know, it has been challenging, I think, separating you know, at what point is he my husband versus what point is he 
a coworker. And I think that we have some tips and tricks on what's worked for us, but there definitely has to be a very clear delineation of what he's responsible for and what I'm responsible for, and that can't mix. And we've been very thoughtful about how we protect um, our positions in, in the business. Well, that's good. And I've heard from other couples that have worked together that clear delineation roles and responsibilities is critical to that and having boundaries between where the coworker and you know spouse come together so thank you for sharing that as well so uh last couple of questions you know focus on um things that inspire you and, and we always like to share with our audience you know books that people have read recently they might be business they might be fiction non-fiction history um, anything that has come to mind, I know you as a mom and a uh, CEO, you probably are quite busy. So I know uh, my friend Jeremiah Ouyang, who I interviewed, said I use Audible books, right? That's my cheat is I do it on the commute. So anything that you've read recently you'd like to share with the listeners? You know, I have. I have an example of a business and personal just uh, kind of fiction uh, that it was very inspiring to me. Molokai is a book about a young girl, Rachel, who actually ends up getting leprosy. And this is about a century ago. And she's basically ostracized to an island. And she really had to overcome some trials and tribulations. But I really admired the character because she never let that get in her path or get in her way. And she continued to live her life out, was happy and tried to be grateful for what she had. And I just thought that wow, there's a person who really had to undergo some real issues and she never let that stop her of experiencing life uh, to the fullest. So that was a, a really fun read that I just actually uh, read over the summer. The business book that I, it really hit me hard was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, and that's just a business fable. And I just felt like, you know, starting a company, having a small team, high stress, high stakes environment, there are so many pitfalls that a team can undergo, and I think one is communication and making sure that, you know, roles and responsibilities and who's the, de the you know, decision maker, final decision maker, et cetera, that can get muddy so quickly. And, and, you know, for us, we all have our own specialty, but, you know, communication is something that we all have to continue to, to work on because you're constantly interacting with people that might be coming from a different background or different experience um, altogether. So that, to me really, I think, made me aware of, you know, what to watch out for, you know, you know, how to integrate some of the strategy into what we're going through right now um, so that I can be a good leader and um, support my team as a whole. So we are functionally in a very healthy, healthy way. Well, I've read the book, the, the latter, The Five Dysfunctions, and I can attest to the fact that it is a great book. And it's a fairly short read. I think I remember reading it on a plane and it's a good reference guide, right? Because it, it's easy to flip through. And, and so um, I, I wholeheartedly endorse that. Uh, last question I like to ask, and this is a, more of a fun one. And it's a, yes, a little bit of an impossible situation. Uh, you're on a deserted island. Imagine there's a way to play albums um, so we don't worry about the technology issues. Pick one album that you could listen to forever. Why would you choose it? And, you know, let's let's hear about the... The journey here. Wow. So I've never been asked this question. Um, and it's always hard for me to land on one album, one song, etc. Um, you know, I, uh, the albums that came to mind was Hello Nasty, Beastie Boys. I remember I played that incessantly across one summer of my teenagehood. Um, had a lot of older friends. That was like, that was the album. 40 Ounces of Freedom, Sublime. I just want to be happy if I'm on an island by myself <laughs> and I want to be entertained. I want to dance. I want to, uh, you know, feel like I'm not alone. Um, gosh, Thriller, Michael Jackson, 
all eyes on me, Tupac. I know that probably sounds really strange coming for me, but I just, anything that will get me moving and, and feeling like there's hope that maybe I'll get off of this deserted island uh, or empowers me. So that's, those are just some of the albums that came to mind. So I love those choices. And this is part of why I like to ask the question is I'm always surprised. Uh, it was almost as much of a surprise as ZZ Ward telling me that Black Sabbath's Paranoid was her album. So I probably, maybe Sublime, I would not have picked the other three from you, and they're all great album choices. And But again, I like the, the idea of if I'm on an island, I want something that will lift me up. I'm also a big believer, as much as I love current music, I had this exercise I did recently of going and picking my top 10 albums of the 70s, 80s, and 90s and posting them on Facebook. And it was great to see what other people chose and all the conundrums and decisions you need to make. And so uh, I definitely appreciate you sharing that journey with us. So anyway, um, we are coming to a close of the show. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a great conversation. So this is Aaron Strout, the CMO of W2O Group and the host of the What's No Podcast. I've been talking with Janica Alvarez, who's the co-founder and CEO of Naya Health. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.